Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at dtcpod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Jonathan Solorzano, who is the founder of Solo Media Group. Uh, so, Jonathan, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in Shopify development and a little bit about uh, some of the brands and projects that you've worked on? Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess I'll give you the start of Solo Media Group and how we ended up here. Um, we started Solo Media Group as sort of a, a way to, to, to do remote work. Uh, I moved to Colombia, hired my first developer over there, uh, Richardson, and then from there we we were white labeling for larger agencies here in the United States. So um, the idea was some of these larger agencies might have a contract with a, a company like Oatly, and then uh, they'd outsource it to us, and we'd do the work behind the scenes, and we, you know, they'd pass it off as their own, get the nice case study. Um, after doing that for a little while, um, we got so good at Shopify that we said we should just we should just go directly to the customers. We have a, a good enough experience. Um, so. We're not like most agencies where we do a lot of things. We just do straight development uh, and we do it just in the Shopify ecosystem because uh, it, it's it's where all the the, the, the brands that we want to work with are. Yeah, and it, no, absolutely. And so one of the things that we're really excited to talk about on this show is just, you know, kind of what goes into building a Shopify site, right? Like the core pillar of D2C is your e-commerce storefront. So that's going to be a really important component to to get right. So what I'd love to do in this episode is first, let's talk a little bit about Shopify, the platform, what you need to know if you're starting up a brand. So call it from, you know, once you've come up with an idea, you have a product you want to sell and you're going to um, create a Shopify storefront, like kind of what's that experience? What can you expect? How do you get started? And then after that, we'll get into you know, where you come in for brands that are going, you know, north of $500,000 in revenue towards like 10 mil and bringing on developers and, you know, looking for a bunch more customization. So why don't we start with what a brand needs to consider and how getting started on Shopify works? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, when you speak to to other agency owners, uh, that people go around talking about design, we need to get a good design in, uh, we need to do, I think that there's a lot of overthinking if you were to ask somebody that, you know, quote unquote makes websites, but really Shopify has everything it needs for you as a no, if you, if you know, no code to just start. So if I had, you know, if I were to start a Shopify store tomorrow with my own brand, uh, what would I do? I, I, I wouldn't even code. And that's that I know how to do it. I would down, you know, I'd buy a theme for $300. I'd throw that theme up. Uh, you know, if you don't have a product design, get that, uh, get a product designed on, on Fiverr and, and then from there worry about marketing it. Because that's the one thing that I've seen so many people that start stores do is they spend all this time with brand and, and, um, and, and design 
and then they they spend they, they go down the hole and there's no sales right they they spend all this time ideating and they didn't worry about the first thing is it's sales um so yeah if, if it, it it, it, everything out of the box is is in Shopify. You how to fulfill orders. You can generate your labels there. Um, at tracking numbers, putting the tracking number in their order so that the customer gets it. It already has the email flow set up. Setting up Shopify payments. That's already set up. Like it, it literally, you just plug and play. So if if I was to start tomorrow, I would just I I would put a product up and start and start marketing. Yeah, and I think that's such an important point because the Shopify site that you build is important, but really what they're providing is the back end for you to set up a commerce operation, right? Like to be able to have a site stood up that can take orders that you can check out, collect a customer's credit card, get their information, make sure they get the email, make sure that they're they're getting their order and that you can go ahead and fulfill what it is that they want to buy. So, um, you know, once, once that's done... What, what what comes next, right? Like what are some of the next components or building blocks that when you're building out a store that you're going to want to consider? Yeah. So I think, you know, if, if we're looking at, and we're looking at this from a strictly bootstrap perspective, right? I imagine somebody that might have funding might look at this completely different, but let's say you're, you, you have inventory and you're fulfilling this out of your house. At some point, you're going to want to figure out how do I automate this fulfillment process, right? Um, and how do, how do you do that? Probably with a 3PL. So you go out looking for a 3PL. Now this 3PL third-party logistics is a warehouse that's going to take your inventory, store it for you. And then if an order comes in from Shopify, you want that 3PL to be able to receive that order. And then once it ships it, send that tracking number back to Shopify, right? So what I've noticed is, and that's usually when they start looking for developers, like, hey, we're looking for a 3PL. This 3PL might not connect as easy uh, or we don't want to go with one of the big ones like Shippo because it's too expensive. Can you guys help us connect this 3PL so that everything works seamlessly? Um, I think that's what I've seen is once once it start making uh, money and a lot of orders, I think that's the first thing people want to offload, like fulfillment. No, that, that's such an important point because, I mean, it seems like, like the 3PL, they have a job of fulfilling orders, storing your orders, and there's like that whole operational component. But as far as the tech is concerned. If you're a founder, you need to make sure that information is hooked up to um, to your central nervous system and what you're doing, right? So obviously, one part of it is getting the order to the right person, and that's crucial because if that doesn't happen, no one gets product. But as an owner and operator, you need to make sure that data is syncing up with with your workflows, right? Exactly. And then you know, it, it starts getting a little more complex when you start going through. Uh, I think I think that the 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 tech term is omni-channel, right? Now we're looking at Amazon. Okay, where's the inventory for Amazon? Where's the inventory for Walmart? Uh, are you selling on eBay? Now, once you start creating those uh, different sales channels, how do you keep track of all this inventory, right? Now there's an, now you have an ERP system. And then this ERP system connects to the 3PL that then also connects to Shopify, right? So once you start adding these complexities is when you start, that's where you know me and my team come in. Once we understand the the kind of ecosystem that you have in Shopify, we we help kind of maintain that. Why don't we talk about that a little bit? Because I think what we're starting to see is, you know, brands first were omnichannel brands that found out about e-commerce and could start selling their omnichannel product online as a new channel. And then Shopify also gave rise to a whole bunch of brands that could start digitally native. And then as they grew up, they started to look for uh, different distribution channels uh, in retail, et cetera, right? So 
if you're a brand today, you're starting, you've got some online interest, and now you're looking at other marketplaces and opportunities to sell, like you mentioned, maybe you want to set up an Amazon storefront, maybe you get, you have a, a Whole Foods or something who wants to take you on, right? What are you looking at from a Shopify perspective? Where does your customer data like living? How are you setting that up? Like, what does the setup of that system look like? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, and so I can, there's a, I've seen two types of brands, right? There's brands that are native to Amazon that then are like, we need to start working on our own brand because they're taking so much margin from us. And then I've seen brands that started on, you know, for example, Shopify with their own brand. And they're like, well, we're missing out on a sales channel or at least some sort of, uh, some sort of traffic if we're not on Amazon, right? So I think I'll talk first about the brands that started without Amazon. Uh, we have this customer, JJ Winks, over in um, in California, and they sell sort of like a loungewear for women. And they're a really strong brand with their own, you know, they have their own list. They've been working through Shopify, and uh, they never had anything on Amazon. But now they're, they're planning on putting a couple things on Amazon um, just because they're saying, well, uh, we don't want Amazon to take our whole business, but we do feel like if somebody is searching our brand on Amazon, we have no presence, right? Uh, so what I've noticed is a lot of these brands are putting a couple of SKUs so that the Amazon doesn't cannibalize their business. But, um, but you know, they, they do recognize like, there is that fear, right? We don't want to put all our stuff there. And then on the other end, we've seen brands, uh, we have a company called Mother Love, Mother Love that we work with. Uh, mother love, they sell like, um, nutrition for birthing mothers, uh, postpartum and during, during pregnancy, I could be saying that wrong, but their 90% of their business was on Amazon. So, um, when they, when we got in contact with them, they started really trying to invest in their Shopify store. Like, you know, they didn't want to, they were worried about, or they still are what's going to happen with Amazon. Right. So, uh, they've invested a lot in their their Shopify store and automating that. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. I might have veered off a little. No, I think that's a really good point in terms of like how these stores start. Some are maybe Shopify native, some are Amazon native. Others want to use Amazon as almost an acquisition channel, put a couple hero products over there, drive traffic back to their D2C instance. And those sort of decisions ultimately come up to you as a brand owner, understanding what your unit costs are, where it makes most sense for you to set up your mix of sales, right? Because if you are, you know, a CPG brand where it's really heavy to ship and you need a bunch of eyeballs that people are already searching for this one particular thing, um, you know, maybe you have one sort of product line that you sell on Amazon that's like easier for them to fulfill. And then on the other hand, for your, your, really good customers who want these really specific things from you, they can come and get those only from your site. Um, so that's really interesting. The other thing I'd like to kind of start thinking about is like, how does, like, as a developer, what are some of the most common requests that you're getting, right? Like, are what what are people looking for? Because obviously, as you start to build out, as you start to have more channels, that just introduces way more variables into your your mix of what you're trying to solve for. But what are some of the most common things that people come to you for? And what do you, how do, how do you get started within an engagement with, with those customers? Yeah. So I think, you know, 
there's a really good app ecosystem in Shopify, and you can solve a lot of your problems with apps. What starts happening though is when you want to customize that app, right? When you're like, well, I, I, it kind of does what I want, but it doesn't do exactly what I want. Now that's where I think they have to weigh out the, you know, it is the investment in doing this custom worth what I would be investing in a 40, 50, $60 app a month. Right. Um, and that, that when they do that, that cost analysis, I imagine they have to think about, you know, how much manual labor is going to have to be put into, uh, fixing the small little thing that the app doesn't do. Uh, so, um, I always, always with people before they enter an engagement with me, I'm like, Hey, have you explored this app? Right. Because I think it's always better to, to, to present the easiest, least path of friction, but sometimes it's like, no, no, we, we need to do this custom. And at that point you need to create sort of like a private app using Shopify's API to do exactly what they want. Right. Um, you know, I, I think I gave you the example earlier, like, uh, reward points, like sometimes the app out of the box has its things that it does, but customers like, no, we, we want it to do X, Y, Z automation and we want it with our branding and, uh, whatever the case is, then they'll have to call, um, a developer, right? So a lot of these apps also have APIs that let you customize it further. Uh, so I think those are the two situations when people are like, well, you know what? I need a developer. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And um, I, I think the way you think about it in terms of making sure that you really need thing, re really need to build things before you build them, it's so important because once you start building, you have like all sorts of technical debt. You have, um, you know, you become dependent on what it is that you built. So I think, but at the same time, if it's something that's really essential to your business, like you need to build it. And like you said, you need it now. But understanding it from a product perspective, what the costs are of taking something on. And I think that's why, you know, Shopify even itself is such a great example. Like you could go out and you could build a lot of the stuff that Shopify enables, but out of the box, it's getting you 90, 99% of the way there. So you're better off just sacrificing a couple of those things and not having to worry, like you're paying Shopify. So you don't have to worry about building all those things. The reason that e-commerce platforms weren't a thing back then is because everyone was building them custom and it was a hard thing to do right so i think understanding that when is the right time to bring in development to your store is something that's that's super super important a hundred percent and i think that's the that's how i uh, approach it to people that try to en engage with us and i think that they appreciate that honesty because it's not like this like you know you, you might go to some somebody else and uh, of course i can estimate a bunch of hours and it's, it, it's work for us but long term that's not going to work for the for the merchant and then uh, when they do find out that an app could have did all that, you know, did everything they wanted and they spent all this money, you look like a liar, right? Um, and, and I think that there is, I think that's why having people that specialize in Shopify is important because you're in the ecosystem, right? You understand what apps are out there. We know what other customers are using. And um, so sometimes it could be ignorance from a developer not being in that ecosystem where they, they're just like, well, I guess I'll just do it from scratch because I don't know better, right? Um the other instance, believe it or not, Blaine, is, is people really, uh, some people really are sticklers for design. Um, it, it, it depends. Um, there's some people that really want their site to look like, I know Magic Spoon is always one that comes across our tables. Like, we want this to look like Magic Spoon. And you know they spent a lot of money on development, right? Like, to do those kind of animations and things, that that's not cheap. That's not uh, out of the box. Yeah, no, that's another really important point. Let's talk a little bit about front end, right? Um, site, especially in brand, is something that's 
so important when it comes to for consumer brands like a brand is the product and one part of it is build a great product the other side is build a great brand right um what on the front end are you able to get out of the box why don't we talk a little bit about shopify themes how if you're thinking about like coming up with a site right like so i mean the way i think about building product for example i do it all the time i think of it like pretty iteratively right like prove out the important things when those are working then like you know have a general idea of like where the design you're going is and then slowly over time like really mold and crystallize that design and then make it you know whatever it ultimately will end up being i think a lot of people you know and i could be wrong right some a lot of people do think they want to get that design 100% right out of the box. The design is their brand, is everything. Um, so for those people, uh, you know, why don't we just talk about what front-end development in Shopify looks like? What's available out of the box? How do you kind of customize these themes? If you want to kind of get fancy, what are the things that are, what like, what does getting fancy like Magic Spoon even mean? And then, you know, what is the cost and how do you, what are some of the solutions to to go one step beyond what's what's available out of the box? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think it, out of the box, there are, are beautiful themes that theme developers have spent a lot of time designing uh, so that um, you can go and start with something, uh, I think, the top tier, right? Um, I, I think that there, even some of the free themes look amazing where I was like, wow, this, this looks expensive. And, and ultimately, that's what you want, right? You don't want your brand to look cheap or something that was developed offshore. Uh, so um, I, I think out of the box, those things work really well. They make them, um, they make them in, in really modular so that you can move these modules around. Um, they make it so that you can adjust fonts, you can adjust images. So, I mean, for me, if, if you're, if you're not selling, I think themes are, are, are a great way to start. Um, when, you know, the question, your question was, when should we start design or how much can you design inside of Shopify? Yeah, my question was more about like, what are, are the options for customization when it comes to Shopify, right? Like, are these, are the front ends built on Shopify? Are there any other like front ends that you plug into? Like, have you ever seen it where a site builds on like a web flow or, or build something custom and then Shopify is the back end? Like, what is the front end kind of, what do the options look like? Good question. Yeah. Um, so you can pretty much do anything you want on front end in Shopify. They've really expanded, uh, expanded their, their theming capabilities. So you can make it look really nice and beautiful and then create these sort of schemas and blocks on the back end and create your own theme, right. And make it your own. So, um, I think it was like five years ago, people had this notion that, well, we can't do that in Shopify. We can't make it look like that in Shopify. Uh, that's gone. Um, and there are, and then there is this other option, which nine out of 10 times I've noticed is, is not the best option for, for merchants is going headless. So headless is this idea of separating the front end with Shopify and throwing the front end in something that feels like an app. Right. And I don't want to get too technical, but you could use a code like react or whatever. And it has this really nice app feel. Um, but you start you, you you create all this technical debt right now you have to you, you create the api that connects shopify to this front end now you got to manage this front end on another server uh you got to manage this this api that's being hosted somewhere and um what that does is now all of the data that you get inside of shopify you lose it because shopify is using its native theme to you know track pixels and to easily install your pixels and to easily send product feeds so what I've seen with people that invest a lot in this design and say, hey, we want to go headless, we want to get this speed. 
is they end up saying, I wish we wouldn't have because all of, separating the two takes away all the ease of Shopify, product feeds to Instagram, product feeds to Google merchants, syndicating reviews. Uh, it just does, it, it just breaks everything, right? Now, now you have to do custom everything. So uh, we have a couple of headless customers that um, they, an engineer recommended them to go that way. Uh, and now they're regretting it. So they're, they're kind of like, hey, can we just theme this out? I, I don't hope they didn't get too technical. No, no, I love that. Um, and I actually want to kind of dig in a little bit further on the whole headless thing, because I know that was like a big trend that, um, you know, we started to see even from the venture community. It was always like, okay, headless commerce, like it's the next big thing. Where is it going? So, um, yeah, would love to, clearly, I think you definitely gave some sort of take on where, on your thoughts on, headless uh generally speaking but where do you see it going over time right is this something that's like really here to stay or do you think Shopify's good enough like where or you know is headless really important for brands of a certain scale yeah that's a good uh, that's a good question um i think i, I mean this this com what i'm going to say is my own bias and uh, it doesn't have any data behind it I, I probably should do some research but um I think that the only re the only reason you'd go headless is if you have an engineering team working full time staff, uh, and and it to me what I've noticed with headless is it feels like a flex. Uh, it feels like something I can tell my uh, like it's like a showing off, right? Like, do you need um, some? Can can you can you take your Honda from point A to point B? Yes. Uh, can you do it with the Lamborghini? Yes. Right. But it, what what's it, what's important to you is 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 uh, is the difference maker there. And so that's what I've noticed with headlets. It's it's a it's a flex amongst the the tech people. Uh, but if if uh, if you don't have a full time engineering staff um, and you don't want to spend that money, Shopify does exactly what you need. Now Shopify does have headless. Um, options that hydrogen and um, what's the hydrogen and oxygen. So uh, hydrogen is its framework and then oxygen is what it uses to this, to deploy it. Um, and it has that for that community, but it's not from what I understand. It's not, it's not like Shopify's main focus. Yeah. That, that makes a bunch of sense. And I think the, the tricky part is, and I think this happens a lot between in terms of like the gap between tech and commerce is that, you know, in the tech community, they're thinking about like tech and all the different applications that great tech can have to commerce. Whereas like commerce is kind of like looking for the the simplest and most straightforward way to like get something done, right? They have different budgets that they're using for tech and they're using tech as like the means to the end as opposed to like everything, right? So like if you're a certain scale and you really want to go headless and maybe your service incorporates a whole bunch of different um elements to it that's maybe goes beyond like physical products and and everything like that and you have the whole engineering team and you're at a certain scale then maybe those sort of solutions start to make more sense but um if you're just getting up and started it seems like there's plenty to um to carry you through from uh from just being able to sell to your customer perspective right yeah 100 percent. i mean and to be fair i work like i said between our, our brands that we work with are between five hundred thousand to 10 million right uh, and for those, I could tell you for sure with certainty that in that's in that range, it's been more of a burden than it's been a positive. Uh, above that, I, I I wouldn't know uh, that probably you know, but I, I can tell you that um, it, it's it's definitely not something that uh, that that they're excited when they're on it. It's usually they usually come to me because they were frustrated. No, that's uh, that's that's really great perspective because like again, you're you're the one in the weeds. You're doing this every day. 
there is one one thing yeah. that um I, I think that would be fair to to talk so the big thing around headless is speed. Um and at some point that seemed real, but now when you throw that into Google Page Insights or any place that you try to measure speed, most of these headless frameworks are in JavaScript and JavaScript takes so long to execute. So it's actually these these uh these browsers and these uh you know, the, the crawlers, Google sees them as actually performing lower than the regular themes. So, um, you know, that, that was a myth that even I believed. And after working on enough headless stores, I used to say, well, it's just that this developer didn't do it well, or this, or this developer didn't do it well. But after a while, I realized like, no, every headless site, um, well, 95% of them have been pretty poor uh, when it comes to the, the speed rating. Got it. And that's really interesting because speed's crucial for conversion for SEO, for all these different, for site experience when, when customers are using it and everything like that, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what everyone's looking for, right? That's, that's what I've seen. Most people go to headless. We need to get that, you know, that point, you know, the, the Amazon study that 0.5 seconds can lose you X amount in conversion rate. Right. So that, that is when people start thinking about that. Got it. Got it. And that starts to make a lot more sense when, when 0.5%, uh, you know, has a much bigger hit on your your bottom line and can support an entire dev team as opposed to a brand who's, you know, maybe going from eight, starting to hit eight figures, right? Exactly. Cool. The next thing I want to talk about is um, once is some of the other apps that you're starting to see that a lot of your customers are using that you really enjoy working with that have like really flexible APIs that add a lot of value to the clients. Like I know there's apps and enablement companies popping up every every day and every minute. So what are some of the core ones that like, you know, you swear by that are really crucial for brands that are going from, you know, 500K or even just starting off? So call it zero to the zero to 10 mil. Yes, yeah, so I think uh, so I have, you know, being uh, working behind a computer and not doing a physical uh, product or anything like that. Uh, one of the things that I've, I, I really like to see is when people sell like physical stuff that you, uh, you can pick up or you can drop off. So, um, you know, here in Miami, I've seen a lot of like meal prep companies, for example, or floral businesses, and they offer delivery, but they also offer pickup. And for a while, there wasn't a good option that says, hey, like, how do we set up these zip codes for certain ranges? How do we set up a pickup for this stuff? Uh, and then I found this app called Zapiet. So like, let's say you have sort of like, let's say a cookie business uh, or something that you can ship, but also you want to do local deliveries. Zapiet is an amazing app for that. It, it, it I think um, we've done that on Magento and WordPress uh, a couple of years ago when we would work on those. And the the companies that built that spent so much money to like build out that infrastructure of, you know, zone zip code radius and how much is it going to cost to ship here? And we want that to go through the checkout. So Zapiet solved all of that. And, and I think it's like 20 bucks a month, you know, like if you it, for any business that's doing local stuff and local delivery, um, I, I love it. That's really cool. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about local because like local is an interesting side of uh, of commerce and e-commerce. So how do you see local like fitting into the fold? Right. Are people going to other marketplaces like a GoPuff? Are they doing this? Are they managing services themselves like on the smaller end? Like what are you seeing? Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen, uh, and I can speak about here in Miami, some cool brands that I've seen, right? And this this started around when COVID, uh, you know, people were doing, I remember pizza shops were selling like at-home pizza kits so you can make it at home. Uh, and through that, we started working with this lady that does charcuterie boards, you know, meats and cheeses with a little bit of wine. 
and um you know I, they have like their own audience that just that you know they they've met and they they get orders from they do deliveries and um so you know there's always these big players like GoPuff and all that but what i've noticed is that once they these com- these brands create a little audience that they continuously buy from so charcuterie boards is one of those cool businesses that i've seen do really well using that zapia app uh there's a floral business that i see here that does really well with local deliveries can they order from 1-800 flowers yes but um they rather order from somebody local here in miami uh so i i think that you know i've seen a lot of people complain about the behemoths like amazon i think that from again i have no data it looks like people are wanting to support like somebody they could connect to right like i see blaine i know he's here in miami i seen his instagram post like i'd rather buy from him and i know that it comes tomorrow than buy from amazon like i'm seeing a lot that a lot of that more um i have no data to say that this is a trend but i can tell you that i've seen it here in miami and with the businesses we work with another cool thing that's like again not necessarily related to apps but it's more related to local is i've seen shopify being used for a bunch of like creative solutions right like so for example I shoot a bunch of uh, film photography and there's a local film lab I use here and they process everything through Shopify, right? Like I drop off my film rolls, they check me out um, through Shopify if I need to, or I think what I do is I like pay before I go through the shop app, um, check out, can drop off my rolls and then they like ship me the negatives back, which is just like an interesting use case because they're not like really an e-commerce store, but they have the service listed in e-commerce world. I buy it. And then there's like this local component and they ship back the negatives. Um, Also went to like a workshop this weekend that was local in Miami. And it was like a lamp building workshop at this like really cool furniture shop around here. And they did all the, like he's got a store through Shopify where you can buy like furniture from, but like then he also had like tickets to this event. So I bought those through Shopify. So it's like, you're starting to see this like cool local stuff where initially you're only thinking Shopify e-commerce, but also for like, local businesses there seems like there's um you know some cool and creative applications it's because it's just so easy to throw up a theme and start processing payments it's 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 literally we can do that we can do that in 10 minutes and that's why it's it's and then generate labels if you want and then install zapier in then five minutes and now you have local like you could do that in 30 minutes and i think that's why people are like well instead of having to you know do all these things let me just throw up a shopify store uh you know similarly uh, I've been really into like a raw denim and I needed to get a pair of raw denim uh, hemmed and there is an alteration service all through Shopify. You check out, it gives you a return label, you send your jeans and then they ship it back and everything, all the emails automated. And, and I was like, this is, this is beautiful. You know, um, they're over in Williamsburg, but yeah, I, 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 I like that. I think that a lot of stuff is, is going to lean towards that, like e-commerce, but like with a local sort of uh, component to it. Yeah, and even I think you hear so much about community, right, from a lot of these other commerce brands. I think they're going to be able to use the infrastructure they have set up in Shopify to start, like, leaning into more, like, local opportunities, whether it's, like, an event or or anything like that. It's it's just, like, I think it'll be cool to see and start to happen more within the Shopify ecosystem. The next thing I kind of want to get into is... Um, some of the tools that Shopify offers, right? I think one of the exciting parts about the platform is there's so many products that they're working on. Commerce and being the nervous system of commerce is such a big responsibility, but they build out 
uh, a whole bunch of different solutions, right? So why don't you walk us through some of the exciting things that they've been releasing lately and maybe some other things or rubblings that might be on the roadmap or just coming out and are, are just making their ways into clients' hands? Yeah, so um, so Shopify Editions is something that they release uh, every quarter. I believe either every quarter or every six months, and it, and they've made it almost like a hype drop. It almost feels like if it's a, a you know Supreme or one of these sneaker drops because everyone's anticipating it in the Shopify ecosystem, and they're like, oh, when it comes out, everyone's reading and sharing it. And one of the most exciting things was um like you know with the trend of of AI and Chat GPT was now you can generate product descriptions using. Uh, an AI. And, um, you know, I thought that that I was like, oh, they probably just designed this on the landing page and they probably don't have it ready. No, like merchants were using it like, a week after that announcement. I had a, one of our, our customers, West Coast Corvettes was like, hey, how, did, did you see this? This is so cool. You know, you put a couple of keywords, uh, you put the tone you want and it writes out a product description. And somebody like West Coast Corvettes who has 10,000 SKUs, he's like, dude, this is awesome. Like I can go through all my SKUs and really rewrite it because before I was just doing lazy and, you know, typing one word sentences to, to, to get this done. So, uh, yeah, that, that was really cool. Uh, I'll stop there. There's a couple more. Yeah. I, I think that the AI stuff when it comes to the application is it's so interesting because, um, you know, obviously we've seen what the capabilities are from like OpenAI and, and the language that they're developing. But another really important component of AI is just like w like how you apply it and what's the environment it's being applied, right? So for example, you could obviously have chat GPT or even if you're a developer, you could like link into, you know, OpenAI's API and have them spit it out. But you would manually have to go plug those into each product description right? If you were doing that yourself. So when Shopify, the platform rolls out the feature within their product, all of a sudden you're able to execute it across your catalog and now they've productized it, which makes a huge difference, right? Exactly. It's not like I have, you know, to, to get a, so I think when you look at some companies, like I'll, I'll use West Coast Corvettes as an example, Brandon is, you know, he's the general manager. He's a warehouse guy. He makes sure the shipment goes out. He, He's not on, up to date on uh, chat GPT like us, you know, like the tech guys, right? So he, it might be uh, a couple steps for him before he gets there. But just integrating into the system makes it accessible to, to Brandon, right? Who, who's not a tech guy, but understands how to use those things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, and, and then, yeah, they, Shopify has just been opening up their API a lot more. And as a developer, that's exciting. It was really a closed sort of cat. Like, it was really... Um, locked before and they didn't want people in there uh but now i think um I, i'm not sure why but they're opening up a lot of endpoints and a lot of things in checkout and that just leaves so much opportunity for if you want to create apps or you want to customize things um so uh, that's why i'm really bullish on shopify as opposed to like some of the older platforms like magento woocommerce or big commerce like they they're working really hard to to let people create what they want in the, in in that world. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about that in terms of like what type of functionality is being opened up, what was closed before, what are they opening? Um, because that that is a huge huge piece. Yeah. So for a while, um, checkout was a big deal, uh, and it still is, right? For for Shopify, you cannot you could not customize anything inside of the checkout, um, and now. Uh, in, in you know, if you have Shopify Plus, you can you can customize. You can put 
testimonials in there. They're letting you kind of put blocks in there. And that's a big deal, right? Because that's where people are putting their credit card and, 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 uh, you know, finishing. Uh, and then what does that mean for returns? Like before everything had to be worked around, like when recharge first came out, it, you didn't check out on Shopify. They had to create their own checkout platform. So you would go from Shopify to recharges checkout, and then it would bring you back. So like, it's come a long way from, um, from when, when, you know, when it first came out and now, uh, that just opens up uh, like conversations for how do we increase our conversions on checkout? How do we, um, how can we create apps in the, in the ecosystem that, uh, are valuable to merchants that now that we have access to checkout. So if you look at the big players, um, like, I don't know if you've heard of a return loop, uh, or a recharge, or, uh, there's a lot of people, those companies that only existed because Shopify didn't let them use the checkout. But now that they have an open API, I think the competition is going to flood in. What else can we build in there, right? So what do you, actually, that that becomes interesting. What is there, do you see risk posed to some of those other bigger enablement companies that were maybe built their moat because parts of the the API had been closed before? Or is this just more opportunity for new entrants? Does Shopify build some of this stuff out internally? Like, where do we go from here? Yeah, I, um, I again, I don't have any data for this, but I could, I could tell you that I see some of our merchants now shopping out recharge. Well, you know, their their fees are a little expensive. Where 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 else can we go? Uh, and I've seen a couple of new players pop up in the last six months. And you know, I think that um, you know, to get to market really fast and to build that fast, I think they might need some venture money. But I, I think that I think that competition is going to get steeper in that in that ecosystem. Yeah, especially I've seen a bunch pop up in subscription. But then I think the tricky part for merchants and with more and more people building is, in a lot of ways, it also becomes not a race to the bottom. But I think exactly. that as you, right, like brands are going to kind of gravitate towards the solutions that obviously do what they need them to do. But I don't personally believe that they're going to be excited about paying like, you know, 1% of total transaction or subscription volume to a subscription platform uh, if if another entrant en en enters the market, right? So it'll just be interesting as so many of these players enter the market, I think the winners ultimately are the brands, right? It, it, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think uh, as uh, if I was an app developer and, you know, my my income was solely from apps in the, Shop in the Shopify app store, I'd be a little worried, right? Uh, because like you said, I think that there's going to be a lot more competition. And once you get um, companies overseas that can produce these super fast, like I, I, I think you're right. Uh, but the winner is the merchant. And at the end of the day, that that's who they're serving, right? Um, so uh, as as a developer, and if I wanted to create an app, that's a problem. But as as a as a Shopify advocate and people that likes to work with merchants, like that's a big. I think that's a W for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. More and more, uh, more and more tech and lower and lower prices. So um, that's a great thing. And then last point on the on the checkout thing, I think that's really exciting because I know Shopify wasn't opening up checkout to really anything, and I was even hearing things where there's like a new feature with with Amazon where like you know, there might even be like a checkout with Prime solution for if you if you land on the page so that the merchant can collect like the first party data if the traffic source becomes Amazon. Um, if ha Have you seen any, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I actually just, uh, an Amazon rep reached out to me uh, and I think that's what they want to talk to me about because I heard about it 
and I don't know how my uh, my name was thrown into the mix, but somebody was like, uh, she reached she she reached out and she's like, hey, I want to talk to you about our Amazon solution that's going on with Shopify, um, so that way you know we can see if it's valuable to your merchants and see if you can help us implement it across the merchants that request it from us. Uh, so let's see. I I, I uh, I'm I just I uh, I get worried because you know like I said I'm I'm pro merchant so I'm I get worried about implementing something that can hurt our our customers but um I'm interested to see if it works right to see what what that does what kind of data is done um but for sure I think everyone's just like everyone looks at Amazon and they're like ah, do I want them in in my stuff right <laughs> yeah but I I think this one could be really interesting again I've been I, I've just started to hear about it but. I think what's interesting here is like one of the concerns of shopping or not shopping, but like listing on Amazon, it's like you've, you kind of take that whole part of your business, you push it off to one side and then you don't have the first party data coming back and um, you know, this sort of thing. So I think it's like this interesting middle ground where you could actually acquire a, a customer on through Amazon. Right. And then they, yeah you can get the data and they let the checkout happen. So like Amazon gets that purchase, but like, Hey, if, as long as you have your email, now you've opened up your direct line of communication with them. So in a lot of ways, it seems like a, a win-win and um, it'll just, but I, th I, it's not something where any merchant can just go ahead and in, like you were saying, they can't just install it in the Shopify app store. There's no like install the prime checkout button. I think it's more like if a developer writes the script in, then uh, it becomes accessible to merchants. Yeah, as soon as I, uh, I as soon as I meet with uh, with this rep uh, and I set up my first store, I'll let you know. I, I think it's exciting for sure. I think it's going to be because there are like I was talking about those Amazon first brands that you know they might be like you know what let's just do it this way so we we'll collect our data anyway you know. Yeah, it'll be really cool to see. Um, and as we wrap up here, uh, you know, are there any other things that you're really excited about for building within the Shopify ecosystem or any new developments that you see coming out that uh, get you and, and Solo Media Group really excited? Um, I mean, I, I think I spoke about a lot of them. I just think that there's so many use cases um, that are, go beyond, you know, CPG or um, just like the, the regular things we know in e-commerce. Uh, I'm really excited about local companies using uh, Shopify to, to supplement their their local business. I, I think that um, you know, if, if smart young people can get into these old school businesses and set up a couple of, sh you know, Shopify with a couple of things, I think that it, it, it could skyrocket. So I, that to me, that's really fun. So I, I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Well, John, for our listeners, where can they connect with you? Uh, and are you on social? Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter? Where can we find you? And where can we find out more about Solo Media Group? Yeah. So I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn, uh, Jonathan Solorzano, Jonathan with a J-O-H-N. Uh, I think that's where I post uh, either daily or every other day. Uh, I'm not as, as, as active on Twitter, but um, yeah, check out my website, www.solomediagroup.co. And yeah, that's it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.